First he heard the click of the switchblade. Then the whining, feral voice. Hey, man, give me money. There were four of them in his path, two slouching against the wall, two erect and staring. Westwood was deserted. The UCLA campus beyond showed lights, but it might have been in another city for all the good it did him. Kevin tasted sour bile, felt the sharp knot of fear in his stomach. They moved closer. Come on, hand it over, you some bitch. The spokesman's blade moved in intricate, blurringly fast passes inches from Kevin's face. It gleamed dully despite the power-saving partial blackout in the city. His tormentor laughed as Kevin cringed away. <laughs> Big, he said. Big, good. Kevin was a well-muscled six-footer, had played football for UCLA, and won his letter in his junior year before the pressure of studies made him drop from the team. He was certain he was more than a match for any of them, for any two, but the knife seemed hungry for his eyes, and he felt only fear and shame. His legs wouldn't move. He reached into his pocket and took out his wallet. Watch, the mugger said. Take it off. The whining voice was filled with contempt and sadistic power lust. Kevin felt it wash over him and felt contempt for himself. Turn out all your pockets. Deucey, rub him over. Another of the young gangsters, they couldn't, Kevin thought, be more than 16, came up behind him and rubbed his hands over Kevin's clothes. The hands moved insultingly, paused in insulting places, then reached into his pockets and took out his lighter. Ah, he's got cigarettes, Deucey said. Good for your mother, the spokesman said. We cut you if you don't have cigarettes. Cut you good. Now we miss the fun. Get in there. The knife jerked to indicate a dark alleyway. Kevin was beyond terror. He had never experienced the feeling before, but he recognized it now, like something known previously from a faded photograph. They pushed him off the street and away from his last hope of rescue. The streetlights dimmed even more just as they entered the alley. It was almost pitch black in the stinking passageway between buildings. His foot kicked something. Trash or a dead cat and insanely he thought of the city garbage strike. Would anyone find him for weeks? He was certain the gangbangers were going to kill him, and he kept worrying about that. Would the strike end in time for them to find his body? Suddenly he was surrounded by the smell of naphtha, strong enough to overpower the smells of urine and decay in the alley. He felt a chill on scalp and shoulders. Lighter fluid. They were going to burn him alive. Desperation drove him forward, away from his captors for a moment. The knife had terrified him, but the threat of becoming a living torch did something else. He was no less afraid, more so if that were possible, but now there was rage and hatred as well. He cast about for a weapon, anything to defend himself. He was certain he was going to die, but now he wanted to take them with him, to end this humiliation and show them he was a man. His hand struck a garbage can. It had a lid, and he seized that by the handle, Years before, when he was only seventeen, it was only five years ago, but at this moment it felt like two lifetimes. He had participated in a tournament held by the Society for Creative Anachronism. The SCA fighters used wooden swords, but their armor and other equipment had been real. He'd been fascinated by the use of shields as weapons. A hand grabbed his hair, and despair gave him the strength of a different order than what he'd fought in the SCA tournament. He swung the lid blindly, felt it clash, then swung it backhand against the spokesman's face. 
he felt bone crunch and shouted his triumph. As the first gangster screamed, Kevin used the shield to deflect another half-seen knife attack, then again blindly swung the lid backhand with all his strength. He couldn't see anything, but he could feel when he connected, and he wanted to hurt them. He hated them with all his soul, and he wanted them to feel as humiliated as he had felt. He struck out again, and again, felt the improvised shield strike home at least once more. Then he was passed and in the street. The sight of freedom ahead robbed him of his rage. He turned and ran. Two of them followed him for a block, but they didn't have the wind to keep up. He ran on and on, long after he could no longer hear their heel beats behind him.